I promise I won't uh, keep you long tonight. I just have three short points. Nobody's watching my wife's face. <laughs> it's always dangerous when I say I've only got three short points. But I, I, I promise I'll not keep you too long tonight. Hosea chapter 12, if you will, please. Hosea chapter 12. While you're turning there, and if you're having a little trouble finding Hosea chapter 12, uh, open your Bibles up to the book of Genesis and keep turning right. You'll eventually get there. So, Anyway, it's Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea. But before we go too far, um, I, I know you probably already know this, but if you have a cell phone, make sure that it's turned off. Because if your cell phone goes off while I'm preaching, that's a bucket of fried chicken for the preacher. Amen. And if I have your number, I may call it while I'm preaching. Oh, my wife's got my phone. She may call you while I'm preaching, especially if she's hungry for chicken. So... <laughs> Uh, do we have any veterans in here? Those who have been in the military? We had one this morning. I was going to do this this morning and it just slipped my... I was so nervous this morning, I'm surprised I even remembered to come up here. But uh, anyway... Um, I do want to thank, if there are any veterans, I do want to thank the veterans and their families uh, for serving our country. It's a sad thing that we don't have the same country that they fought for. It breaks my heart. I, for one, am one that's trying to hold on to what we used to have. Hosea chapter 12 And I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 2, Hosea chapter 12. The Bible says, The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings will he recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial. Therefore turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment and wait on thy God continually. I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about having power with God. 
I kind of wish there was more of it that came back from this morning. Had a nice crowd this morning. But I don't think there's probably a Christian in here or a believer in here that doesn't want to have power with God. Am I right? We'd kind of like to have power with God, would we not? I would like to be one of those that has power with God. When we were in college, uh, Brother Hiles got up and preached on power. And uh, boy, I'm telling you, he talked about having uh, pray for power. And that next day, when we came to chapel, there wasn't one of those preacher boys in there that didn't have on his anti what do they what do they call those things? Um, the brief yeah, briefcase, that's easier to say. Didn't have on their briefcase pray for power. Man, I'm telling you, I suppose they probably had it on their kitchen door and probably had it on their bedroom door, the mirror, bathroom mirror, every place they went. They probably had a, a little uh, three-by-five card on there that said, pray for power. And I thought, boy, that's great. We probably, and we do, we need to pray for power. There's no doubt in my mind. And they all had on there, pray for power. But I did not. Because I had in the inside of my briefcase, pray for wisdom. I need wisdom. And I figure as long as I'm reading the Word of God and have wisdom, I can come to God and get power. Amen? But there's not a one of us in here that, that would not love to have power with God. I want you to turn back to Genesis chapter 25 with me because it kind of tells us a little bit more about the story here about, about Jacob because it did mention that uh, he took his brother by the heel. I want to I share something with you out of that story that I believe preachers overlook. And I don't know why they don't read the Bible before they go, uh, go off and... and Say a bunch of things, and and I just um, I just believe they ought to read the Word of God and get things straightened out. But in Genesis chapter twenty-five, starting in verse nineteen, and I'll probably read a uh, rather lengthy section here. But in Genesis chapter twenty-five, starting in verse nineteen, and and these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padamaran, and the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Did you notice that there? I want you to notice what he said here. There's two manner of people. 
And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. You ought to underline that. Take note of that. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came out his brother, or came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright to do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he, and he sware unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. God's will is done. Right there. God told Rebekah, that the elder shall serve the younger. God's will is done right here. Because the, the oldest, the elder brother, the oldest of the family, is the one that had the birthright to follow in the father's footsteps. But now he has sold his birthright. He gave it up willingly he sold it just so he could have something to eat. But God had already stated that, that, the, that the elder would serve the younger. So God's will was already done right here at this point. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright, Unto Jacob, and Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau, notice these words, Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised it. Now let's go back to our story, to our message. Jacob had power with God, according to the Word of God here. It says in verse 3, He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel, and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Jacob had power with God. According to Psalm, you would never believe that Jacob would be a man that had power with God. 
I mean, they've called him all kinds of names. They've called him and that uh, they would have you believe that his life was filled of nothing but deceit and trickery uh, and, and deception. They would tell you that he deceived his brother in a time of weakness, in a time of hunger. Boy, a man almost do anything when he's hungry. And they would have you believe that at the point of death, he tricked his father into giving him the blessings of the first birthright. But God's will was only being completed. They would have you believe that he was deceptive with his father-in-law. Remember how Jacob, as long as Jacob was there tending the flock, how that the flock grew and his father-in-law became uh, rich with the flock and everything, and his herds grew. And Jacob went out and just stuck a stick in the ground, and when the sheep looked at it, uh, the, the ring straight and speckled came out. Those were his. He had power with God. They, they would say that he led a life of trickery and deception. I'm going to tell you that it was nothing more than outside influence that allowed God to get His will completed in Jacob's life. Yet the verse above says that Jacob had power with God. Having power with God should be the desire of every believer. Every believer ought to want to have power with God. Having power with God will help a Sunday school teacher uh, make an impact on those that they teach. Boy, I want to have an impact on people. Years ago, I, I made a decision. I used to think I had to try to impress people when I went to, went to church to try to candidate or to preach or something like that. Oh, man, I thought, man, I've got to impress these people. But you know what? Same thing happened. They never called me back anyway, so it didn't make any difference. But I decided years ago I was going to quit trying to impress people rather than I needed to influence people for Jesus' sake. Amen. That's what needs to be done. And if we have power with God as a Sunday school teacher, as a pastor, as a leader in the church, if you have power with God, you can make an impact in somebody else's life. That's what ought to be, that's that exactly what should concern you is making an impact in somebody else's life. Having power with God will help a bus captain to reach the heart of the writer to help them to serve God with their lives. And let me tell you something. We have reached some young people on our bus route. I'm a product of the bus route. Hallelujah. I wouldn't send the kids on the bus route, but my dear wife did. As a result of that, they kept coming back to the house. Oh, them pesky bus workers. <laughs> they just kept coming back and kept coming back. And finally, one day, they had a, uh, what was it, a vacation Bible school. 
And my wife surrendered her life to the Lord at a vacation Bible school. Lo and behold, the Lord was working this all out. Back in 1980, when the uh, uh, tax or not the interest rates went way up, had work all lined up, last through the summer. All of a sudden, you started getting phone calls. Well, we're not going to go ahead with the remodel job. Well, we're not going to build. Well, we're not going to do this. And I was out of work. Work was gone. I was out hunting for a job, and things just weren't going. And I come home one one afternoon, out, out all morning working for a job, and I come home one afternoon. And I stepped up on my porch. And I said, God, if you're real... I need your help. I have to supply the need for my family. I need your help. But if you don't want to help, boy, I know the devil would see, huh? Just the weakness in man. God, if you don't want to help, boy, the devil will probably help me out. It wasn't long after that. You know, if you cry out to God and you're asking for some help, He'll send the man of God along to help you. He'll send somebody along to help. Shortly after that, He sent the local preacher and the deacon out. That night I surrendered my life to the Lord. Where am I going with that story? I don't have any idea. It's just a good story anyway. But anyway, uh, product of the bus ministry. It was because of the bus ministry. My wife was going to church. I cried out for help. God sent the pastor of the church and the deacon out. I surrendered my life. God's been using us ever since. Amen product of the bus ministry. You have power with God. The bus workers will have an impact on the children, on the people that they can influence through the bus ministry. Having power with God will help a soul winner touch the heart and the souls of the lost person that they witness to with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that's important. Having power with God to go soul winning and share the gospel. Amen. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the full gospel, by the way. Amen. Having power with God will help the believer have compassion pulling some out of the fire. Having power with God will help the pastor to meet the needs of the people so they can be fed weekly through sermons and to challenge them to reach new heights and goals for God. Having power with God will help the believer to get the prayers answered. I want to make several, I want to make a couple observations that can be taken from Jacob's life about having power with God. What does it mean to have power with God? It means that Jacob was able to turn a deceptive life, and, uh, and I use that word, I don't like that word, but it, it, it helped Jacob to take that outward influence, that outside influence that was there, 
and turn it into the power of God through His life. And it gave Him strength to do God's will. It means He was able to turn a broken relationship into a blessed relationship when He came back together again with Esau. It means that He was able to get God's blessings on His life to do things for God that He could not do in His own strength and in His own power. Number one, if you're going to keep score, number one, your past does not determine your power with God. Your past doesn't determine your power with God. Too many people today allow their past to stop them or they allow too many others that bring up their past to stop them from serving the Lord and getting the power that they need. Jacob did not allow his past to stop him from serving the Lord. As a matter of fact, we ought to allow the outside influences to encourage us to seek God's power, to seek God's strength in our lives. But too many times we allow these outside influences to stop us. I'm telling you, I, I, there are men of God or there are young men that's had bad lives, that has lived bad lives before they got saved. And man, they get saved and they start reading their Bible, they start praying, they start soul winning, they, they want to serve the Lord, and the people in the church won't let them serve. Won't let them serve. I'm telling you, they, some preachers won't even let them clean the toilets. While you did this in your life, you can't do that in a church. You can't serve God. And I always ask him, can you show me Scripture for that? Show me Scripture. We can't, we can't allow our past to determine our power with God. And yet they'll say, man, uh, Jacob, he had power with God, but he was so deceptive. He lived a life of trickery and deception, and yet he had power with God. I got news for you, I wasn't perfect little, well, I, I was more of a perfect devil than anything when I was younger. Well, don't ask my mama. My mama will tell you I never caused her one bit of trouble. That's just the way mamas are. <laughs> but don't allow your, your past to determine your power with God. Jacob used those outside influences to his advantage. And Jacob determined he would get God's power and didn't stop praying until God gave him the power that he wanted. In Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 and 25, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. He took the strength that he had, 
and he prayed until God came through with his power. You don't want to know why most Christians and most believers go powerless in their lives? Here's what happens. Oh dear God, I sure do need your power today. And that's it. They quit. They don't wrestle with God. They won't stay at it. Well, I, God, I prayed for power. How come you didn't give me your power? Boy, that message was a zonker. I prayed for power. But Jacob wrestled. And he wrestled. And he would not quit. And he prevailed. You don't do no prevailing. Getting down here and saying, God, I need your power. And then getting up and that's it. There is no prevailing. There's no wrestling. He took the strength he had. And he prayed until God came through with the power that Jacob needed. God's power comes to the believer who expends their strength in prayer. You will never have power with God as long as you allow your spirituality to be the excuse not to pray. You want to know why he stopped at the, God, I need your power today? And he stopped because he thinks he's spiritual enough that he's already earned it. Don't have to wrestle with God. Second point. You will never have power with God until you are broken by your lack of strength. You will notice in verse 4, it says that he wept. That night, he wrestled with the angel, and the angel brought him to the point of brokenness. Have you ever? Have you? Have you ever wrestled with God to the point of brokenness? Where it has brought you to the point that you wept. I mean, you have expended all the strength that you got. And there's nothing left. And you wept. And God gave you. And God granted that power. You can't expect to have God's power or to have power with God until you have come to the point where you realize your inability and need for God's omnipotence, for God's power, for God's grace and mercy. Listen, uh, turn with me to, to second, uh, second, second Corinthians. Remember, Paul was having problems with a thorn in the flesh. Now, I'm sure you remember the story about it. Paul had this thorn in the flesh that God had given him just to keep him humble. 
And he prayed for this thing, and he prayed for it thrice, that it would be removed from him. And then in verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen, there's many times, and I did this morning, man, I needed God's power. I needed God's grace. I needed His His grace that would be sufficient for me. And there's many times that I go to the go to God because listen, I need to go to him sometimes very boldly to that old throne of grace that I might find grace, that I might obtain mercy and find that grace that's necessary to help in the time of need. You can't expect to have power with God until you have come to the point where you realize that your inability and God's and and your need for God's omnipotent in your life. Those who tend to see their prayers answered the most are not always those who are the greatest Christians. Those who tend to get their prayers answered are those who come to their end and cried out for God's help. God is always willing to hear and help the believer who cries for help because they realize their helpless situation. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit here. We've been there at... Uh, ancient landmark now for four years. We've actually changed the name of it. Uh, it used to be Faith Baptist, but we changed the name of it, and I'm not going to go into the whole story. I'll just tell you this. The former pastor's in prison, and he ought to be in a hole someplace. I'll tell you that much. But we've been there for four years, And for the past four years, we have lived in a little makeshift uh, apartment downstairs in the basement of the church. And and I'm not telling you this, so, oh man, Brother Hart, that's that's horrible. No. You ask my wife, we we were pretty content down in there. Uh, We had a living room, we had a bedroom, we had two bathrooms. Oh, three bathrooms, yeah, because I actually put a bathroom upstairs, so uh, we had three bathrooms in there and a, and a full kitchen and all that and a huge dining room. I mean, we could invite guests over and we'd hold 30 people in there, 30 or 40, uh, something like that. So it really wasn't all that bad. But it got last year towards, uh, I guess it was about in August somewhere, I started praying and saying, Lord, we've been down here now for three years, down in the basement, 
And I sure wouldn't mind having my wife above ground. Lord, you know I'm fine down here. I can live in a tent. I'm good. But Father, my wife deserves a lot more than that because she's been through a lot with this preacher. I said, God, it should be nice to get my wife above ground. And for a week and a half, I wrestled with God, saying, God, I'd love to get my wife above ground. Is there any way that, that we can find us a house and get back above ground? And it wasn't dark. It's not dark down there. We've got uh, glass block windows all the way around. We just can't see out. I mean, we've got daylight coming in. We just can't see anything that's going on outside. And if we hear a noise, we don't jump up and look out the window to see what the noise was. Because you can't see out. And we're getting too old to run up and down the steps to run outside and see what the noise was. But for a week and a half, I prayed and was asking God, is there any way that He could provide a house for us so, we could get, so I could get my wife above ground? We did not know. But an elder, an older couple, no, I guess they're our age, so they're not old. But anyway, um, a couple in our, in our church, he'd been struggling with uh, prostate cancer for several years. And all of a sudden, the doctors did a, did a test, and they come out and said, well, we don't understand it. All of a sudden, the cancer's gone. We don't know where it went. And his wife said, I know where it went. And the doctor says, you've got to be kidding me. She says, no, you don't know our pastor. <laughs> you don't know our people. A little beknownst to me, she had been wrestling for about a week and a half. They'd been wanting to buy a new house, but they had this other house setting where they was going to put the new house. And they didn't know what to do with the other house. And she said, I kept praying, asking God what to do with that other house. And she said, every time I would go to the Lord and pray, your face would come up, Pastor. It was your face I could see all the time. She called me and she says, Pastor, I want you and Miss Connie to come out. John and I have something to tell you. We went out there and they said, we want you and Miss Connie to have that house. We're just going to give it to you. I prayed. I was praying for a week and a half to have a house. She was praying for a week and a half what to do with the house. God said, give it to them. We got a house. 16 by 80. Three bedrooms, two full baths. Well, and it's got toilets in it too and sinks. But uh, it's really nice. And uh, we're above ground. Now we hear noises, we look out the windows. Listen. You say, well, Brother Hart, but aren't you a great Christian? No, probably not. I don't know. You'd have to ask somebody else. Don't ask me. I can't tell you if I'm a great Christian or not. 
you'd have to ask somebody else. But I will tell you this. I wrestled with God. God answered my prayer. And that's power with God. Number three. You will never have power with God without supplication. Take again a look at verse 4. Take a look again at verse 4. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication unto him. He made supplication. Supplication is best defined in James 5.16 when it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Supplication. We ought to we we ought to uh, pray for others. We ought to make supplication for others. And I'm not going to go into to all that. I'll let your your pastor cover that, and I'm sure he'll do right on it. But I am going to say this. I will say this. When it talks about uh, calling for the elders of the church, is there any sick among you? Let him pray. And then he says, if, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. That's the pastors. Uh, you all let your pastor do the church, do his job. Don't expect him to show up to the hospital if he doesn't know you're there. Isn't that fair? Huh? Man, I've had people get so upset at me. Do you know so-and-so's been in the hospital for a week? No. And you've not visited them? No, didn't know it. <laughs> Nobody told me. I don't have extra sensory possession, whatever they call that stuff. I ain't got that. Let your pastor do his job. If you're sick, call your pastor. Let him do his job. Let him pray for you. Why? Because the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. I believe you people believe that your pastor is a righteous man. Let him pray for you. Let him pray for you. Call for him. You'll never have power with God without supplication. You see, Jacob's supplication... When he said in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 26, he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Jacob got to the point in his life that he was not going to leave God's presence until God blessed him with the answer which he was seeking. My friend, having power with God is simply staying at God's throne until you get from God what you are seeking. Stay at God's throne. Stay there. Pray until you have got nothing left. We've been places where we've, where they have had all night prayer meetings, and I hear more snoring than praying most of the time. 
But I'm telling you, it won't hurt us to spend some all-night times in prayer with God. We need the power. We need power with God. We need to spend some times of all-night prayer. How earnest are you about your prayers and supplication? You want power with God? You'll never have that power with God until you are determined enough to stay in prayer and say, along with Jacob, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And folks, the way I see the world is today, we need to be some people that has power with God. We need to be some people that has some power with God. Let's stand to our feet.